Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Wow, so good to be back home. Thank you for your prayers. I know I snuck off without telling you. And uh, at the end of the service today, I'm going to share a little bit more of my journey and what's happening. But right now, I'm going to preach. I got to Little Rock, Arkansas a couple of weeks ago. Flew up by myself. First time I'd flown in since we got back from Cuba uh, 14, 15 months ago. And uh, got to a very dark, depressing hotel. And uh, started feeling sorry for myself. You know, wanting Mama to be there. And... uh, kind of overwhelmed with where I was at and where I was going. And Holy Spirit showed up. Showed up big, encouraged, reminded me of his goodness, his faithfulness. That he has a purpose and a plan for our lives, my life, your life. No matter what our profession is, no matter what job we do, no matter what we, whether we're male or female, young or old, we are the redeemed of the Lord. And because we are, we're disciples. And Holy Spirit spoke this word, began to stir it in me. And he said, disciples make disciples. So this morning, for a few minutes, I want to talk to you about disciples, disciple. Matthew chapter 28, beginning with verse 18. And I need y'all to be awake this morning. And if you got, if, if, if you get a quickening, say amen. If you don't get a quickening, say amen anyhow. Because the word is good, amen. It's powerful, it's mighty. Oh my gosh, I, I was uh, in a friend's home. I'll tell you a little bit more of that story later, but... Uh, Watching our first uh, family night here and the baptism, I was, I don't know how it was in here, but on video it was powerful. I mean, it was so powerful. I was so jealous. I mean, I was jealous. I was supposed to be baptizing in that tank. Pastor Ron was doing it and he did a great job. Pastor Ron, he did a great job. Big old cry baby, he's worse than I am. He's, I mean, the first one, Big Robert, he starts crying. I just, uh, and, and, and I was afraid that if I got Robert down, I might not get him back up. So <laughs> it's probably good that Pastor Ron did that. But uh, let me get into this. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, And of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, just a real quick reminder here. Jesus has already gone to the cross. He's already died. He's already uh, been put in the grave. He's already been resurrected. He's already revealed himself on many occasions to, uh, first of all, some women. All the women should say amen to that right there. Y'all missed your spot. Let me help you out. And Jesus revealed himself to all the women. Amen. For a reason, for a purpose. And and he, he actually told them, go tell my disciples. 
because they should be here with you, but they're obviously still hiding somewhere. And so Jesus commissioned the women to go find the men and tell them to man up. Come on, somebody. Every once in a while, we need a good woman to tell us to man up. And that's what, that's what they did. I mean, they went and, man, and, and told them to man up and said, by the way, anybody seen Peter? He's still hiding somewhere. Somebody go find Peter. And Peter got there. Mary said, hey, Jesus want, wanted you to know that he's alive and well, and he wants you to get ready to meet him. And I believe, I believe it was, I believe you would have had goosebumps on top of goosebumps. If I were Peter, I, I don't know that I'd want to be, except for the promise. All of a sudden, you had to know that there was a stirring of remembrance of three years of all that they had seen. But I can't, Im I, I can't not imagine that Peter was sitting there going, I gave him my word. The rest of them might reject, but I would stand with him through it all. He not only did not stand, he cursed the one who said, you're one of them. And then he wasn't at the grave, only John and the women. I don't know where Peter was. So when Jesus said to them, go tell my disciples and Peter. Now, does that mean Peter wasn't a disciple at that point? Or was he overemphasizing, Peter the disciple needs to know that I haven't given up on him? How many of you are glad he hasn't given up on you this morning? Come on, somebody. He hasn't given up on you. Mark chapter 3, verse 13 and 14 says, And Jesus went up on the mountain and called to them those whom he desired. And they came to him. And he appointed twelve whom he had also named apostles. Listen to this. I have read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John hundreds of times in my lifetime. A couple of weeks ago, I'm reading this, and this scripture just jumps out all over me. Because if you're not careful, you just read right through it. It says, and he appointed them, those whom he had named apostles, so that they might be with him. And he might send them out to preach. You see, before Jesus wants disciples to disciple, Jesus wants you and I to be with him. Wow. Y'all, about three-fourths of y'all just missed it right there. Before he sends you out, he wants you to come in. That's what Sunday gathering is all about. We're here to sharpen our swords, get built up, edified, equipped to do the work of the ministry as the saints to go out. We come to be with him so that we can go out and tell about him. Amen. So that we can be a witness to what we're experiencing. So that we can know who it is who has called us, who has saved us, who has redeemed us, who loves us, who has forgiven us, who has not forsaken us. He wants us to hang out with him so that when we go out, we have something to be a witness of. It has nothing to do with your personality. Well, it's just not my personality to talk about Jesus out in public. It's because you haven't been hanging out with him. It's because you don't know him. See, if you know him, you got to talk about him. Come on. If you know him, you're going to talk about him. 
If he saved you, you're going to shout about it. If he's redeemed you, you got to tell somebody. If he's healed you, he's touched you, he's encouraged you, he's challenged you, you got to tell somebody about him. It has nothing to do with personality. It has everything to do with who he is. So that they might be with him. You've heard, if you've been around this house very long, those of you that are watching online, there's a whole bunch of you. I said hello this morning. I go online every Sunday right as we start worship and say hi to all my folks that are watching online. And this word today is not only for those in this house, it's for every one of you. I got friends watching from around the city state. I've had four divine appointments. Can you imagine that? Over the last three weeks, and all four of those families are watching service online this morning. From Alabama, from Puerto Rico, from Little Rock, Arkansas. God wants to use us wherever we are, whatever circumstance we're going through, wherever our job is, wherever our place of life is, God can use you. When you begin to understand you were saved for a purpose, not just to go to heaven. This morning, 429, one of our dearly beloved, Miss Shirley Plumer, left this world and went to be with Jesus. And you know what? I hurt for Ty and the family. I even hurt a little bit for me, but man, I was so jealous. I was awake at 415 praying and didn't know why. At 435, Ty texted me, said, Mama's gone. Mama ain't gone. (laughs) Mama's in the presence of Jesus. And all of us have ever been touched by Miss Shirley, by her cookies. Come on, somebody. By her desserts. Come on, somebody. I mean, she's up there baking for Jesus right now. I guarantee it. Her and Pastor Cheryl are baking. Well, Cheryl ain't baking. She's watching Miss Shirley bake. She's telling Miss Shirley how to bake. That's what Cheryl's doing. Sorry about that, sis. We just all know you. But hear me. If you've been around this house very long, you've heard me preach about divine appointments. Divine appointment is when Holy Spirit doesn't get your permission to put a contact in your path that he wants you to touch. Or maybe he wants them to touch you. See, divine appointments aren't always about you giving out. Sometimes divine appointments are about him touching your life, just bringing, just, just coming and slapping a big old kiss right on the side of your face. And you go, that was Jesus right there. Amen. God might have used that man or that woman, but that was a Jesus kiss. I've had, <laughs> I've had a few of those just in the last few weeks. We're in the middle of this new journey I'm about to begin God said, I'm still with you. Brought some amazing people into my life. Reconnected me. Those are divine appointments. See, divine appointment is a contact with a new unsaved person or a contact with someone God's bringing in to be an encouragement into your life. We should expect every day of our life, if we will leave our house, Can I just pause again and say I want to thank God for Governor DeSantis and the state of Florida. Amen. Amen. I bless that man. We flew into Orlando yesterday, went by the Florida Mall, and Lord have mercy, I thought those people don't even know how to spell COVID. 
There wasn't an empty car spot in the whole Florida mall. So we didn't stop there. We're hungry. We had just flown in. We're looking for a place to eat. So we get off of the turnpike on the I-4 Conroy exit, first exit, go to the Millennium Mall to eat a meal. It takes us three hours to eat and get back on the interstate. It only took 40 minutes to eat. It took the other two hours and 20 minutes to get through traffic. I almost did a spiritual cuss. I'm thinking of all the things I got to do. I've been living out of a suitcase for the last two and a half weeks, and I got to get home, and I got to unpack, and I got to take care of my dog, and, and, and I got to finish getting my notes. Matthew won't leave me alone. He keeps texting me, where are your notes? Where are your notes? And, and, uh, and, and I'm like, I'm driving. I'm sorry I can't text and do notes. And, and uh, so anyhow, uh, I, we, when, when, when I finally got back on the turnpike, just under three hours, the place was a zoo. Everybody had a mask on. Everybody looked like they were socially distancing. But boy, were they having a good time in the sunshine of Florida. See, I was just in Little Rock. They haven't had church in a year. All the church buildings closed down. Cobwebs are growing. Met a lady yesterday. I'll tell you a little bit more about her. Hey, Rolanda. She's watching online this morning. She, she reminded me of when I first met Miss Chris. Oh, my gosh. She plopped herself right down in the middle seat between Suzanne and I, and we didn't shut up for three hours. <laughs> Matter of fact, Suzanne had a crick on this side of her neck because she's looking this way, and I had a crick on this side because we're both looking at her. And she, she probably has cricks on both sides because she's back and forth. And, and we were telling stories and talking and loving on Jesus. And, I mean, she wasn't in that seat but a couple of minutes, and we all knew we were of the same family. She happened to be black, I happened to be white. But man, were we family, instantly, instantly. It's just like, wow. She starts telling me her story. She's telling Susanna, her, uh, telling us her story. And she went through a very painful thing a year ago. And instead of feeling sorry for herself, come on somebody, this woman is a woman after my own heart. Instead of feeling sorry for herself, moping around, going and closing herself in, locking herself in. You know what she did? Fe uh, January the 5th or 6th or something. I don't know. I don't, can't remember, Rolanda. Sorry. She went on a two-month missions trip to Africa. Got home two days before they shut everything down. And when we met her on the plane, she had just finished a 40-day Daniel fast on Wednesday and flew by herself to Puerto Rico for three days of her coming out party of finishing, finishing her fast. And, and we just started talking about the things of God and we were so encouraged. It was a divine appointment. God brought her just, just to give me a little kiss on the cheek. And I believe we encouraged her. I believe, man, it was just one of those moments can I tell you, I believe every day of your life, God wants to give you one of those. Some of you said, well, I know I had one two and a half years ago. No, no. I'm telling you, I want to stir you to walk out of here in about 20 minutes with a hope and a faith and a belief. You start getting your head on a, on a spin cycle. You're just always looking for who is next. But can I tell you, you got to be willing to open up your mouth but before you do, put a smile on your face. 
I got on the plane to come home from Little Rock on a Friday afternoon late. Uh, we, we, everything was still up in the air. Didn't really know all the details of what was going on. But, but they said I could go home. They wanted me to start um, treatment on the following Monday. They wanted me to stay there for the weekend, start the treatment. And, and I said to the doctor, I said, Doc, my wife and I have been blessed with a week trip to the beach Sunshine. It was so cold in Arkansas. Matter of fact, when, I, when they called me this week to start all my scheduling, the, the, the nurse called and, and we had chatted in the room and, and Robin said, uh, where are you? I said, oh, you don't want to know. I said, she said, no, I really want to know. And I said, well, how cold is it there? She said, it's 13. I said, I ain't coming back to Little Rock until y'all turn the heater on. I mean, who lives in that? And she said, well, where are you? I said, well, I'm at a golf course in Puerto Rico. It's 84 degrees in the sunshine. She said, I hate you. <laughs> but, but we started talking and chatting. But, but on the day I left, I got on the plane, and this man got on and sat right beside me. He had a big box that looked like a box of donuts. And I was like, oh, dude, are you sharing those? And I mean, through our mask, we're talking across the aisle, and uh, he starts telling me of this place 20 minutes out of, out of Little Rock, Arkansas, this little tiny town where they bake these world-famous potato donut cakes or something. I don't know what they're, potato cake donuts or something. I got to find that place when I go back, amen? So, so anyhow, by the time we're getting ready to leave, I got up first, and I got my luggage, and I pulled his box out, and I gave it to him real gently like this. He said, would you like one? <laughs> I said, no, I am not touching your wife's valentine, whatever these things are. But I want to tell you, if you'll be willing to show yourself friendly, some of you will have a divine appointment before you get out of the parking lot at church. You know, replace that scowl you wear around, that sourpuss look. You're supposed to be a Christian, but you look like you're on your way to hell. You can't make, the, you can't make disciples when you look like that. Some of y'all need to go into your room, get in front of your mirror, and practice looking like a Christian. Like you were once lost on your way to hell, but today you're saved. Come on, somebody. You're on your way to hell, but today you have the blessed hope of eternal life. It's a divine appointment. Listen, divine appointments will give us an opportunity to number two. Number one is plant uh, divine appointments. Number two is to plant a seed. And in that seed planting process, you got seed planting, you got watering of the seed, you got heart prayer over the seed and harvesting the seed. But, but you're never going to harvest if we don't plant. And most of us are going to harvest on someone else's plant. Come on, somebody. Somebody else planted, somebody else watered, somebody else prayed over it, but you got to bring in the harvest. I'm going to tell you an amazing story in a second. Y'all just hang on. I'm going to just show you how God likes to show off. And all this happened on my wife's birthday. But number two is to plant seeds. Number three is to uh, reap a harvest or to make disciples. So I read to you out of Matthew 28. Go home today and read out of all the different gospels of, of Jesus commissioning all of us, not just the first disciples, but all disciples to go and make disciples. Say make. make. Say out loud. Say this out loud. Don't say this out loud. Say what I'm about to tell you. You know what I'm saying. Say this. I am saved. Therefore, Therefore, I am a disciple. I am a disciple. 
Therefore, I have been commissioned to make disciples. Some of you are like, if I don't say it out loud, maybe I won't be held accountable. No, you're, if you're saved, you're accountable. And can I tell you, if you're not experiencing divine appointments, you're missing out on life. I mean, God loves to show off. He can do it at a gas station, at a grocery store, at your workplace, your neighborhood, on an airplane, on your vacation, in the middle of nowhere, God will show off. If you'll just be ready to touch a life. And the fourth one, third one is har- harvest reaped, and the fourth one is disciples, disciple. Now, I want to read you one more passage of Scripture real quick. This is one of my favorites in the Bible. It's the last prayer Jesus prayed. John recorded it in John 17. And he said, verse 1, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. See, Jesus wanted... God to glorify him so he could glorify the Father. I want God to glorify me so I can glorify the Father. I want to be touched by God in such a significant way that no matter what I'm going through, and wherever you are on your journey in life, instead of woe is me, it is wow. Let's see what God's going to do in the midst of this. Amen? Since you have given him, verse 2, authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life. Listen to this. That they... No, you. See, Miss Shirley did not just enter into the presence of Jesus today. She entered into eternal life when she got to know Jesus. That's why I said to her a few weeks ago, I think, I think it was right before Christmas. Do you remember, Nick? Was I out at your house right before Christmas? I think I was. And at that time, Miss Shirley was, she had a little fear going on. The enemy was attacking her a little bit. She, she, she all of a sudden went from being peaceful to just anxiety and fear had come on her. And I, I walked into her house and I sat down and we started chatting for a minute. And you know how anybody knows Ty knows, you know, Ty just comes in and blurts out whatever. And she's like, mom, go ahead. Tell, tell pastor why you're afraid and, and all this stuff. And Miss Shirley looked at her and she said, I'm not afraid anymore. She said, as soon as pastor walked in this house, the peace of God came over me. But I sat down beside her and I said, Miss Shirley, let's talk about this. Because if you're afraid, that's a tormenting lying devil of hell. Because you know God, you've already entered in, in, into eternal life. When the time comes and your body no longer is going to function on this earth, it's going to shut down and you're going to open the door and enter into eternity. And Jesus is going to be there waiting on you. I said, Miss Shirley, If it weren't for the love of preaching, the love of my wife, the love of my children, my grandchildren, and my church family, I would be jealous. But God's not through with me yet. But I said, Miss Shirley, if you've run your race and you know it, and you have a confidence, go in peace. Go in peace. Exit this world with the knowledge that you know whom your Redeemer is. Amen? Because he is. And Jesus, all he wants us to do is to know the Father and to know him in a way that's so intimate that our worship and our corporate gatherings is just a preparation for heaven. We just got through singing that song, Lord, to know you. To know you, Father, is the presence of heaven. And the Lord just wants us, every time we gather, to just worship Him 
so that out of that worship, our hearts are prepared to receive the Word. The Word comes in, convicts, edifies, challenges, does a work in us. Why? So when we walk out of this door in a few minutes, we walk out as disciples ready to make disciples. Call, commission. Not one person in here. This is not a preacher job I'm preaching about this morning. This is not the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher job. This is all the saints' responsibility. So you know what that means? When you leave your house and head to the grocery store for one item, and your heart is, God, use me wherever and whenever. Get ready. Be real. You get out of your car, you get in your mask on, you're heading, you're washing your hands, and some little lady's there, and she's trying to get her last bag out of her car, and she's looking around where she got to take this cart. Man, you are Johnny on the spot right there Say, ma'am, could I take that cart in for you? You don't know what you're doing in that moment. You don't know what that conversation might lead to. Thursday, we were celebrating my wife's birthday. We had been blessed with a free trip to Puerto Rico. I'd never been there. It was beautiful. You had to wear a mask everywhere, even in the bathroom when you were by yourself, I think. They wanted you to keep a mask on. So I was all masked up the whole time. Nose is just a running, man. I put that mask on, my nose just starts running. But we spent Thursday with our dearest friends, Francis and Susie Enfuso. And we're just having a good time. We've been with them for four or five days, encouraged, prayed over. We go to Old San Juan just for the day. Plus they had open Starbucks. I was craving a Starbucks. And uh, we get there and we do a little shop and a little walk. And Susie on the first day they got there the week before us, she slipped down a hill, sprained her ankle real bad. And so she's hop along Susie the whole time we're there. So we're going from one place to sit to another. Felt, felt bad for Susie, her ankles all swollen, her legs swollen, but she was a trooper, never complained. And she's out there and they were wanting to bless Suzanne for her birthday. So we're going in little shops and we're in this one little shop and Suzanne and Susie are shopping a little bit. And I'm talking to Deborah, the lady that's managing it from uh, uh, Newcastle, England, and she now lives in Puerto Rico, and, and we start talking, and next thing I'm saying, where would you go, Deborah, for a good meal, just a good meal, Doesn't, nothing fancy, just a great meal. So she starts giving me all of these different restaurants, four of them, writes them on a card, tells me how to get there, tells me to give her name, tells, tells me, go down here because it's 6.30, Carly's going to be playing live jazz music. He was one of the original Beach Boys. You want to hear him. He's phenomenal. And uh, so we're going through all this and, and uh, we're up the street walking around and, and finally we decide we're hungry and they're in another store shopping and, uh, and Francis and I are just being good husbands on this day. We worked hard. We had talked to each other. We encouraged one another. Build ourselves up strong now. We're not going to complain. We're here to serve the girls today. And, and so while Suzanne's in there and they're looking for a shirt for Francis, I go check out a menu and uh, I read all the rules you got to do to come in the restaurant. I, I, I'm not doing that. I'm not taking my mask off, put a bite, put my mask on. I mean, I'm sorry. So I walk out of there and I look across the street and there Across the street is the first place that Deborah had written, Cafe de la Plaza. I said that so professionally, just like I speak fluent Spanish. We go in, I ask this one couple sitting in the corner, how's the food? Oh, it's, it's excellent. 
So there's nobody else in this and they have little, little rooms and there's a room with four tables in the corners. And this one couple sitting there. So we get the table. I go get Francis, Susie, Suzanne. We come and sit down. And in a little bit, another group comes in, a man and two women. And they sit and they look at us and we smile. We talk. We're talking about what we're eating. I mean, we're just like family. And there were a couple that's almost through. They got their, you know, dessert. They got their little espresso. And, and uh, so we're just talking and, and they get up to leave. And this lady at this table over here, she kept looking at me. And all of a sudden, Francis and Suzanne, Susan and I were talking about Cuba and how much we love Cuba and the similarities in Cuba and, and, and how that I, my friend uh, Otoniel and Abdiel and Havana, how things were so tough there. And, and all of a sudden, the lady at the table, she goes, I know you. She says, I know you. I looked at her. I'm like, I'm sorry, but I, I don't think I know you. She said, yes, you know me. And I'm looking, I'm saying, God, chemo brain, release that thing, you know. And, and, and so the long story short is, she says, how's Oscar doing? I said, oh my gosh, you do know me. She said, Oscar and I are Facebook friends. And she said, Pastor George, she said, I met you in Cuba at a little restaurant. And we spent two hours talking. She said, I was with a group of Nazarenes and immediately flashback, it's all there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you told me you were gonna come to Gainesville and visit me and you never did. <laughs> she said, you're right, but I'm coming, I'm really coming. And she's with her husband and another friend and, and uh, they're watching online this morning. Hey guys, hey Andy and Kel, I, I mean Lexi, sorry about that Kelsey, I saw Kelsey, Lexi and their friend Jan. So I start sharing with Lexi my journey. Next thing I know, Pastor Francis and Lexi, they decide it's time for a prayer meeting. We're in the Puerto Rican restaurant. And boom, they're up from their table and they surround me. Suzanne gets up, where's your phone, where's your phone? She starts videoing. They start praying, hands on me. Lexi's praying in tongues. Andy's praying in English. Jan's praying in both languages. And they are just praying over me. The, the power of God was there. Well, while all this is going on, I don't know. My head's down. My hands are up. I'm receiving this touch of God. And Miguel, our unsaved waiter, comes back in the room. And he says to Pastor Francis, what's going on in here? And Francis is trying to tell him of this reunion and that I'm battling cancer and they're praying for me. And he starts tears coming down his cheek. And he said, I want to know God. Wait, 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 wait. So while they're praying for me to be healed, Pastor Francis and Andy slips over and they lead Miguel to Jesus Christ right there in the restaurant. That's worth a shout. That's worth a shout. That's a God thing. That's a God thing. That's Jesus showing up. Church, divine appointments are our life source. We are called in this crazy, troubling world that we're living in. The church has got to rise up. 
We got to get out of our houses. We wear your mask, take a gallon of hand cleaner, but you cannot live isolated, being destroyed by the enemy in our homes when the church has been called to rise up and be the church of Jesus Christ in this day and hour that we're living in because our life here is but a flash. We're passing through. And when we're through, I want to have no regrets. I want to have no regrets. I'm not foolish. I mean, you know, there are times when my immune system's so weak. But I'm telling you, I'm not going to stay locked up in my house. That is not life. That's not living. There's no hope in that. Wear a mask. Wear two masks. Man, down in Puerto Rico, I saw him with double masks, glasses, and a shield over the top. Do whatever you got to do. Get out of your house. Get out and start living because there's a world of hurting people out there. And can I tell you, there are Miguel's everywhere. He walks in, the presence of God touches him. And Francis says, don't you want to know Jesus? And right there, while I'm being prayed here, he's asking Jesus, Jesus, come into my heart. I embraced him hugged him before I walked out of that place. That was a divine moment. God wants to show up. Let me just, did y'all show the, did you show the picture? Throw it up there. Just so you'll know I'm not lying here. Throw that picture up there. Look at that. Come on. That's Miguel up in the corner. Just gave his heart to Jesus Christ. One more time. Give it up for the Lord. That's our new friends, Lexi and Andy and Jan. And they're praying over me. Miss Rolanda Eldridge yesterday on that plane left. And before we left, we, we did a mask down, quick, snappy, selfie, mask back up. Before we could get caught, get thrown off the plane. Took a selfie, shared it. She's praying over me. Matter of fact, she says, on your way back to Little Rock, I live right here in Birmingham now. I can feed you, I can take care of you, need to stay overnight. Come on, God goes before us. This morning, if you don't know this Jesus I'm talking about in a personal way that I'm describing him, you don't have to leave this building today. You can be just like Miguel. You can say, I I want Jesus. I need Jesus in my life. I need a Savior. If you're watching online today, you're listening on a podcast this week, you don't know Jesus, all you have to do is invite Him into your life. If you don't know the Lord today, matter of fact, would you just bow your heads for a moment just to give privacy to these? Let me just speak for a moment. Believers, would you just pray? But if you don't know Jesus in a personal way, if you haven't begun your path on eternal life by the knowledge and the recognition and the confession of Jesus as your Lord and Savior, right here, right now, you can receive Him in your life. I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to lead you in a simple prayer. You walk out of here today saved, knowing that no matter whatever happens in your life, you have the promise of eternal life with God Almighty. If that's you, cross this congregation. Heads are bowed, 
believers are praying. Would you just lift up your hand? Let me lead you in a prayer this morning. This is between you and the Lord. Yes, dear, God bless you. God bless you. Who else this morning? This is your day. This is your moment. You're ready. You want Jesus to be Lord of your life. It's the greatest single decision you'll ever make in your lifetime. Anyone else in this auditorium this morning, you want Jesus to be Lord of your life. All right, I want to invite all of you to pray with me as we pray with this dear sister. Pray this out loud. Father God, I need Jesus. I am thankful for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying for me, for redeeming me. I receive you this morning to be my Lord, my Savior. I confess my sin and ask you to forgive me. I'm walking with you for the rest of my life. This is my prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give the Lord a praise for this. All right, I have a few things I got to share, very important, uh, before we get out of here. First of all, Miss Heather Quarles and Miss Karen Saxon and a whole bunch of people uh, that are on my staff and some amazing volunteers got together this week and baked everybody in the house a cookie. And it says, Happy Valentine's Day from the pastors and the staff of The Rock. And on your way out, all the doors, you don't have to worry, they baked a mountain of cookies. They have a cookie for you. You can't take four home to your family that stayed home from church today. Tell them, sorry, I ate my cookie on the way home today. All right? But if you're here today, we have baked you a cookie. I'm sorry for my church online family. I don't have any way to get you a cookie, but know from my heart, I'm going to eat it and think about you. All right? I love you, and I'm going to think about you as I eat this cookie because I hear they're fabulous. Matter of fact, I probably won't get back to my green room before I'm going to open this. So, all right. Secondly, um, what was the second thing? The what? No, I've already said, I've already shared about Miss Shirley. But listen, this, what day? Friday at 11 o'clock, we're going to have a celebration of life service for Miss Shirley right here. It'll last an hour or less. And I encourage you, if, if Miss Shirley has impacted your life, you're part of this church family, try your best to be here. We're going to just celebrate her life. She's such an amazing woman. Uh, for 20 plus years, she has blessed our church, our school. The Rock School has been touched by this woman. Uh, I don't know hardly a family that knew her that did not get touched by her sweets and sweetness. Uh, so Friday morning, 11 o'clock. And then the guys will talk in a minute about growth track. We're going to be filming a new growth track on uh, Saturday morning uh, at 8 o'clock. And uh, we're going to be serving breakfast and lunch. If you have never been through Grow Track, you're new in our house, uh, we really encourage you to come. For some of you that have been here for a long time, we encourage you to come and participate, be a part of it. It is the video that we'll be showing. Pastor Tad and the guys will be using this for our Grow Track classes for the next two years. So I encourage you to come out. It would help me because I'll be teaching all four sessions. Um, and it would help me to have a few more people in the congregation. All right, so that'll be Saturday morning. Jamie will reemphasize that in a minute. Um, now, let me just share with you um, my continued journey. It's a journey of faith. Um, my doctor, uh, a year 
and two, three months ago, um, when he first diagnosed me, encouraged me for a second opinion. I did not understand multiple myeloma. Um, I sure didn't understand the seriousness of it, nor did I understand how there was very little knowledge of it here in Florida. There was no specialist in Florida that worked directly with this particular disease. Right before my transplant, he offered again to refer me to anywhere I wanted to go in the world. And I thought it was a little strange, but I kept saying, Doc, I love you. You're a great doctor. And, you know, and he is. He is a precious man. Dr. Body is a great oncologist. But, you know, he comes into my room, and I have multiple myeloma. And then he walks out to the next room, and that person has prostate cancer. In the next room, they have leukemia in the next room. And, and so, you know, he, he, he does his absolute best. He reads. He researches. He, you know, he's learning what to do. But, but I just found it strange that he had, you know, encouraged me a second time and I said no, I wanted to have the transplant here. I had the transplant, and I never shared this, I don't think, with you guys, but um, maybe I did. I can't remember. <laughs> but after my transplant on my three-month checkup, um, my numbers were actually worse than before my transplant. It was very disappointing. I wasn't discouraged, but I was deeply disappointed. Um, I went back to my oncologist. He didn't really agree with those numbers, so he reran tests. And his test numbers actually showed that I had, uh, that my own spike had dropped from, uh, the hospital had me at 1.1. Dr. Badia had me at 0.8, I believe, the first time. My last um, lab work here in Gainesville um, was done by Dr. Badia, and it had dropped to 0.73. What that means is I'm not in remission. And Dr. Badia has been very concerned, even though he said, you look great. He said, I'm amazed at your energy, you're fishing, you're walking, you're golfing, you're preaching. And, um, but, but he is very concerned because they had, have not been able to get me. And I, I'm not really certain, maybe some doctor or nurse in here could clarify, but I, I think it's like 0.3 or 0.4 um, before they would consider me in remission. So I'm at 0.73. So uh, a few weeks back, Jessica, my daughter-in-law, went with me um, for my appointment with Dr. Badia. And for a third time, he recommended and wanted to refer me. Um, and at first, I thought I was going to be going out to Houston, to MD Anderson. Um, but then... God just intervened. A lot of things happened, a lot of confirmation that I was supposed to go to Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, in Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, connected to the UAMS, University of Arkansas Medical and Science um, Hospital, they had the only multiple myeloma medical center in America, maybe in the world, but I know there's no other one in America. It was paid for by the Rockefeller family. It's absolutely a gorgeous, state-of-the-art, beautiful building. I flew out there by myself two weeks ago, and uh, I went through an amazing series of tests, uh, everything. The first, the first 30 minutes I'm sitting there, this woman comes out with this case of, um, what do you call the vial? Is it vials? Where they take, put the blood in? Is that what those are called? Anyhow, she didn't come out with like three or four in her hand. She came out with this case, this metal case, and there were 21 of them. And I'm like, 
how many of those are for me? And she said, all of them. I'm like, am I going to be able to walk out of here to my next appointment? Anyhow, I did well, and she took all that blood. And, uh, and I went from appointment to appointment, bone density test, because this disease actually attacks your bones. And most people, in my case, uh, have had many, many fractures. Uh, I met one precious man there within the first 30 minutes of being in the hospital, got in the elevator. This guy was just bubbly and and he said, hey, sorry to meet you under these circumstances, but it's glad to meet you anyhow. And a little while later, I run into him in another office, and we had a few minutes to begin to chat. And I, I found out his name was Mike, and, and I said, Mike, you have multiple myeloma. He said, oh, yeah. He said, when I was first diagnosed, I met a man that had had it for 13 years. And he said, I said, I want to be that man. He said, well, here I am today. He said, I'm 18 years since I was diagnosed. But he said, I want to tell you this, this hospital saved my life. These doctors saved my life. And one of the first things, the first thing the doctor asked me when he came in the room, I went through all the tests Monday or Tuesday through Friday morning, had to be at the hospital Friday morning at 10 till five in the morning for uh, my last, uh, I don't know, some kind of test. Um, where you drink stuff or they put stuff in your body that's radioactive, what's it called? PET scan, yeah. And, uh, and then so I finally got to the doctor and the first thing he asked me was, um, you know, uh, do you wanna live and are you willing to go aggressive to let's fight this thing? And the, and the second thing he said was, uh, I wanna get this, I wanna get your number down to zero. Well, hold it. I've been in Gainesville for a year and four months and they say it's impossible to get to zero. And this doctor says, I want to get you to zero in a week. And I said, that's pretty aggressive. <laughs> he said, well, I'm going to give you seven chemos over 24 hours a day for four straight days. He said, we're going to do all of this outpatient. And he said, and then we're going to do another bone marrow transplant. And he said, and we're going to do that outpatient. I'm like, what? I mean, my mind's just being blown away. Well, let me just back up and tell y'all a, a real quick another. Do you want to hear this story? If not, I'll just, okay. Um, so the first night I was at the really rundown hotel, the sheets were clean. But the couch and chair, I know it came over on Noah's art. I know that Noah's imprint was, was in this couch. It was so disgusting. I, I just, I, I wouldn't touch anything. And uh, and Suzanne texted me and she said, honey, I think our friends, uh, the Fontenots, are in Arkansas. I said, no, honey, they're, they're in New Orleans. But I thought, what the heck, I'll, I'll just Google. So I got online and I Googled Dr. Eudice Fontenot. For those of you that were here 26 years ago, Eudice and Tessa were an amazing part of our church family. They were covenant group leaders. Uh, Eudice was on Suzanne's worship team. And most people remember Dr. Eudice Fontenot from our big, massive Christmas party where he read the Cajun night before Christmas. Uh, he is from Louisiana with a very strong accent. And uh, I, I've had so many people when they said, you, you saw Dr. Fontenot? I remember when he read. And uh, but so, such an incredible guy. So, so there he was. He'd been in, Arkansas, in Little Rock for 22 years. We had lost contact because they left here, went to Shreveport, then Shreveport to New Orleans, New Orleans to um, 
Little Rock. So anyhow, I tried and tried, could not find a phone number, didn't know who would have a phone number. And so the next morning I got to the hospital and I was on a, I was on a mission, man, I'm on a mission. And I'm getting all these amazing ambassadors. They, they, this, this hospital clinic, the minute I got there, they introduced me to this beautiful young lady and she said, hi, I'm whatever her name was. It was really great. Uh, <laughs> but uh, she said, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to take you to every appointment throughout all this massive hospital. It's like being at Shands, just over here, over there. And so she would literally sit out in the waiting room, had my list of appointments, and she walked me, went and got me bottles of water, took me to the bathroom. Everything I need was just amazing. So I got there and I called her and I think her name was Susan Sandy, Sandra. She was started with an S and she was amazing. And uh, if you're watching online, I'm sorry. Um, but uh, she said, we can, we can find this. So, man, we had like four different people on the computers. And, and sure enough, we finally found his office. And he was way down, a mile down the road at the second largest cardi, uh, cardio, cardiology hospital. Pediatric cardiology hospital uh, in America. And he is the vice chair something number two. I don't know. He's a big wig. He's a big dog. And uh, he's got 30 pediatric cardiologists that work underneath him. He's, he's a professor. He does all these things. But so we finally, this lady says, I think I found the number. She calls and she says, looking for Dr. Udis Fontenot. And she said, well, this is his clinic. And she said, here, somebody needs to talk to you. So she hands me the phone and I tell her this story real quick that, that I really know this guy and I'm not asking for his phone number, but would you give my phone number to him? And when he has time, see if he'll call me. Three minutes later, my phone rings. <laughs> Such a God thing. It was like we had talked on the phone yesterday. It was, it was like it had not been 26 years. And he says, where are you staying? I said, at a dumpy hotel. No, you're not. You go over there and you get, you get yourself packed up. And when you're through today, you call me and I'll pick you up. And so I had another divine appointment with a man and a woman. The wife has multiple myeloma. And uh, he drove me back over to the hotel where I was able to check out. And uh, that rascal still charged me for the night. But uh, I, I checked out and uh, Lord bless that man. Um, <laughs> like that room was going to be rented that night, you know. <clears throat> but anyhow, about four o'clock, he drives in the circle of the hospital, gets out of the truck and we embrace. And... That's what the kingdom of God's all about. I mean, it was family. And took me to his house. Tessa comes out. I haven't seen Tessa 26 years. And we hug, embrace, and they're like, our home's your home. And before you know it, I'm on a Bible study with Deese and six doctors that he does a Zoom Bible study with every uh, Tuesday night or Thursday night, whenever it was. And, but they just made their home. And so when things began to happen and they were saying, you're going to have to go through this uh, immediately, Udis and Tessa said, we will not take no for an answer. You are not renting a, a Airbnb or whatever they're called, BRB or BSW or wherever else, somebody's house, you know. Uh, he, said, he said, our house is your house, the whole back part of the house, two bedrooms and a bath and a living room. He said, this is all yours. And um, so um, I will preach Wednesday night here at the men's uh, 
family night. We're going to have a great time. i got a word in my heart for the men of the house. I want to encourage you to come and to get you here because you don't think my teaching is that great. We're going to feed you first. So <laughs> at 630, if you'll come for something to eat, we will lock the doors and you can't leave till you have to stay for the 30 minutes. But we're going we're gonna to have a men's night. It's going to be great. And I'm, I'm hoping to get to do the next one in two months. I, I, that's my hope. So I will teach Saturday morning here, the four sessions, and then Suzanne and I have to drive out. It's a 14-hour drive. Uh, and this first leg, I'm going to be there for three and a half weeks. Covet your prayers. Next um, Tuesday, I will have another set of blood work run, meet with the doctor. That afternoon, I'll go back in for minor surgery, and they'll put the uh, CVL back in my chest. Uh, the next day... They're going to load me up with uh, seven chemos in a big bag. I wear it around my shoulder, and uh, I'll get to go home uh, to, to UD Sintessa's home. And every day, Suzanne will drive me back. They'll put a new bag on, and I'll do that for four days. Say goodbye to my hair. It's going again. Uh, they said quickly this time. Uh, I said, Lord, maybe I am a little vain, but I really do like it's gone, you know. But, uh, and then uh, some resting in there, and, and then there's a possibility I will get to come home for a week or two uh, to rest here, and then we'll go back, and they'll harvest all my cells again. They'll take the CVL out of my chest and put a big tube in my neck. They'll go down. That'll be in for three days while they harvest. Here at Shands, they harvested 1.3, I think, or 1.8 million um, of my stem cell that had 20% multiple myeloma cells in that, which is why when they transplanted, they put 20% bad stuff back in me. Their goal out there is for me to be at zero and uh, to take 20 million cells, healthy cells out of my body um, over two to three days. Then they'll remove the tube out of my neck, and I'll rest for a few days, and then I'll have the transplant. The transplant, I have to stay there um, 18 to 28 days, um, but uh, I'm going to have the transplant go right back to Udice and Tessa's home. Suzanne will drive me to the hospital every day. And um, so, you know, looking at the map, that's somewhere around the end of June um, that I might get to be back in the pulpit probably the first weekend of July, which would be our one-year anniversary in this building. Amen. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Anyhow, I love you guys. I, I'm not going to get emotional today. I'm, I'm so done crying. But your prayers, your covering, your faces, your texts, um, everything about you is the strength that gets me through a day. Okay, maybe I'm going to cry. <laughs> but I love you more than I have words to describe. I honor my wife for being my caregiver and what she's about to have to walk through with me again. And, um, but I, uh, Pastor Tad and Jim have got it worked out. They're going to try to train me. Y'all pray that a gift of wisdom will come in me tomorrow uh, to set up a Zoom where on Sundays I'll be able to live Zoom right into the big screen to say hi. And uh, I'm not going to really be happy unless I can see y'all's faces too. So y'all, you got, they're working on that. That's awesome. And uh, so anyhow, I'll be here this week. I love you guys. And uh, I just thank, so, thank you so much for being the faithful 
family of God that you are. I brag about you everywhere I go in the world. Francis Amfuso brags about y'all more than I brag about you because <laughs> he just thinks this house, he just, he is so encouraged by what God has enabled us to do through this whole COVID thing. So I love you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.